0: Shalom, damn it! It's 11 o'clock at night, and time for Dave's Gone By, a comedy talk show on AM 1240, WGBB Freeport. It's not the best show on the radio, but let's face it, do you really deserve the best? No, so sit back and settle. When a man is born, he's born with the foreskin. But the complete man is to be without the foreskin. Greetings from Long Island, where every highway is a sunrise. It's time for Dave's Gone By, an hour of comedy, talk, and music brought to you by Total Theater with your host, Dave Lefkowitz. You've never heard anything like it, so sit back, relax, squeal if you must. Here's the host of Dave's Gone By, Dave! i hot dog night. flamingos in a
1: fruit fight. Every
0: color of day Twirling around at night. Well there goes the Davorhood. Welcome, welcome everyone on this Sunday night, this, this beautiful Sunday night, October twelfth, two thousand and eight for the two hundred and ninety-fourth episode. Of Dave's Gone By. Kind of a special one, kind of a more personal one than usual tonight, because it's familial. It's been such a lousy year in so many ways for so many uh, folks and the people I know. I mean, everybody's having a, a rotten week. Anybody, even if you don't have money per se in the stock market, you're looking at the numbers day after day. And if you're like me, there's a certain excitement in the catastrophe of it. I'd be doing my work at my computer all day, and every couple of minutes I'd be checking Yahoo stock prices again, just to see how bad it was going to get, just to see things go into freefall, because it isn't personal to me. I'm so broke I don't have any money waiting around in GM or IBM or in the stock market, unfortunately. Like most of the folks I know, not all, but most of the people I know, Their money is in a few bonds here and there, and 401ks. That's where everybody's really sweating. Because otherwise it's just a bunch of rich people losing a lot of money very quickly over the past week. And then there's this kind of, for all those folks who don't have money, you're like, you know, it doesn't hurt me so much, and nice to see some rich folks come down to my level a little bit. Which is not fair, which is not very nice, which is not even very true but there there is that little twist of the knife to for you, know, you hear someone who lost i don 't know they had six million dollars in the stock market and they lost three million in three days and that 's got to hurt that 's got to be a horrible, terrible thing, but my God, what I would give to have three million to lose in the stock market i can 't even think in those terms. What I can think of is that i 've got still a little bit of money in my 401k And I've still got, um, you know, I guess some Bond stuff here and there. So it does affect me. It does affect everyone. I'm wondering if this might be um, Jeff Goodman on the line. Let's see. Let's see who's on the line. WGBB, you're on the air with Dave's Gone By. Hello? No. Ah. Well, whoever it was, please don't call back until we're actually taking phone calls. By the way, when I say Jeff, I mean... Jeff Goodman, my uh, usual co-host on this radio program, he's um, I don't, I'm not sure where he is. He may be taking another powder this week. He, he took off the week before because he was in such a horrible mood about the stock market. I can't imagine what mood he was in considering what happened to the Dow Jones this particular week. But anyway, what I'm saying is, okay, so, so everybody's having a rotten week for various reasons, even if like me. You're a bit of a sadist, and, and you kind of want to see other people hurting if you're hurting in different ways. And plus, I mean, it was a rotten summer. My back went out, and uh, we, my wife had a death in her family, a fairly close one. And she's got... Um, she's working, but she has to work out of town half the week. And I can, I'm having trouble trying to to bring some more money in to pay some bills. I mean, it's just ich after ich after ich after ich, And so... It's kind of nice that on all days, of all days, on Yom Kippur last week, which would have been um, Thursday, we had a birth in the family. Not me personally, but my cousin, my cousin Stephanie and her husband Adam had a little baby girl early in the morning on Yom Kippur. And so, you know, very, very happy for her. And I thought, my gosh, you know, she just gave birth a couple of days ago. Let's get her on the radio show. Let's say congratulations to Cousin Steph and put her on Dave's Gone By, hear about her pregnancy, hear about the birth. Totally not a subject we generally go into on this radio program, but I thought, my God, she's, it's so close, and she just had the kid, and I think we're going to have a little fun with her and with her husband, Adam, and we may even, I'm thinking we might even get Rabbi Sal Solomon in here to give her a special convocation and blessing over the child, little baby Logan. That's why we're calling this program Logan's Run in honor of Stephanie's kids. So we're going to be talking to my cousin Stephanie pretty soon in this program. We're also going to be talking during the Inside Broadway segment, when we're going to be reviewing three shows tonight on Inside Broadway, including The Seagull, that big starry new revival of the Anton Chekhov play that got amazing Reviews. I'm going to let you know what I thought of it. Also, the um, Signature Theatre is doing First Breeze of Summer, which is a revival of an old Negro Ensemble Company show. The Signature is spending its whole season doing um, shows from the heyday of the Negro Ensemble Company. This is a Leslie Lee play, and I'm going to tell you what I thought of First Breeze of Summer, and also we're going to be reviewing the musical 13. This is a show about teenagers, completely populated by teenagers, and I'm going to be reviewing it. I don't know, my, my co-host Jeff has come into the building, but I don't think he's seen it. However, someone who has is Joel Markowitz, and he is a writer for com and he's been in town to see some New York shows. So we're going to be talking to Joel about the musical 13 during Inside Broadway. So there's quite a lot to do tonight on Dave's Gone By. This October 12th and our 293 4th episode of the show, which is an hour of comedy, talk radio, interviews, music, and more. I'm Dave Lefkowitz, radio personality, journalist, theater critic, and terrified American, and I'm here with my guest co-host, who is a bon vivant and a man about town. All around. All around man about town. I'll get that right someday. Jeff Goodman. How you holding up, Jeff? Hey, tough, Dave. Tough week, I know, but how you holding up? Oh, well, you know... By the by, the strings of my barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a. Did you just make that up? Yeah, that's very, very good. I mean, that's. that's I, I can't imagine. I mean, you were so depressed last week coming in from the week before <laughs> of what was going on financially in America. I can't even begin. It just doesn't matter anymore. No, it, it'll bounce back, but it's going to take Fantastic. a year. Yeah, it'll it'll probably go down into the low seven thousands and then slowly, slowly inch.
2: Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They have wiped out the entire profit in the stock market. For the last six or so years.
0: Hey, can I imagine? Who has been the president since the year two thousand? Anything can happen with this president that we have. Come on. Actually, you know what, if we have time at the end I wanna do all this economic stuff later on. Very here, but funny but, yeah.
2: but I was listening to a newscast and they were interviewing someone. Yeah. About about the market and stuff. they said, maybe Bush should just not speak anymore. Because every time he opens his mouth, the market plunges. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. He tried to, to sell the $700 billion package. It failed. They had to double back and reduce some of it, and then it passed. Well, oh, we got we a got couple mouth.
2: of... It was, it was a good thing because we, we got the uh, executives from... Um, AIG to go on a spa retreat, which was... Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I, I they thought,
0: didn't... Actually, you know the whole story with that. It wasn't the executives, was, Or maybe it was one or two of them, but it was really for their salespeople. It was a thing that was set in place a year ago. It I'm, doesn't make a difference. I know. They canceled the second one. That was nice of them. They were going to do <laughs> another one the following week. And then the, the PR w- was so explosive at that point that they just said,
2: well, you "No, know, it's really is they would have been out of business but the government bailed them out and then they spent half a million million half
0: a million dollars well how do you reward salespeople? that's the question though
2: you pay them (laughs) a salary and and to tell you the truth not selling so well if the company's ready to go under (laughs) good point (laughs) when when your top salesman sold six dollars not so good
0: Hey, actually, I could use them to sell advertising for this particular program. No, they'd lose your money, too. Uh, well, thank God. Thank God we're we're making a little dough. Thanks to our sponsors on this program. You want to help me do the sponsors of Dave's Gone sure. By? Okay, why don't you begin with your own? Well, with fancy schmancy balloons? Fancy schmancy balloons. Why should people call you? Why not? If you're having
2: a party and you want excellent decorations... Five one six seven nine seven three two two nine. 516-797-3229. What was that again? Oh, they call for the number again. 516-797-3229.
0: Fancy schmancy balloons to really make your party look amazing with balloons and centerpieces and pretty much any other decor for any party. And, and hey, we've got Thanksgiving coming up. Not too early to think about Christmas parties either. You can do that all fancy schmancy Balloons. Tell us about Hewlett Minuteman Press, please. The copy kings of Broadway. For 65 years, Hewlett Minuteman Press. They're like almost about to retire then. No, they're going strong, man. They've been around and they'll be around, God willing, dozens and dozens of, of more years. So, why do you read? And I know you do. I know you subscribe to Hewlett Minuteman Press. Jeff, why do you uh, subscribe? I subscribe to Minuteman Press. Um, to, excuse me, to, to Performing Arts Insider. Because it's the best darn publication on Broadway
2: and off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway and beyond that. Exactly. Exactly. It's insightful. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It
2: has all the information I'll ever need. And
0: I love it. I do, too. Granted, I am a little biased because I help run the thing. But for Dave Scott and my listeners who are interested in performing arts inside our theater magazine, The Bible of Broadway... Go to PerformingArtsInsider.com or go to my website, davesgoneby.org, because that's going to give you all the info that you need to get a cheap, well, relatively, more inexpensive subscription. Normally it costs about $175 a year, but Dave's Gone By oh, is so worth it. It's worth it at that price. Imagine how much it's worth it at $120. That's the price for your subscription for Dave's Gone, my listeners, to Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine. Now, I may have misspoke before. Did, did I say Ulit Minute Man Press and then mean Performing Arts Insider? Yeah. Tell us about Ulit Minute Man Press. They
2: were the copy kings. They are the from. copy
0: kings of Broadway. Okay. Are they there for 65 years? No, they're, they're there since
2: the 1970s. Okay, because you kind of said they were there. Yeah, now I got distracted years.
0: by someone coming in to do some, some office work. I request. know, someone came in, and gave you money in an envelope, and left. I only wish it were for me. <laughs> no, this has to go in the safe for someone else here. So, um, anyway. out cut. <laughs> yeah, let's see. How much so are we going to put in? Nice, nice money. You do think if I replaced these with dollar bills, then they would know? we should just
2: replace it with cut paper. No, no, no. Yeah, you
0: have any green shoe polish or something? Sure, no problem. We should do it. We should do it. But everybody should also... But you're impress. You. Yeah.
2: yeah. Is located across the street from Loman's and the now next door to the now defunct Loman Shoes. Mm-hmm. Can we have a moment of silence for Loman's Shoes?
0: Oh, they went out two months ago. We, got, we can't really mourn it's them anymore. Two ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all right. Yeah, two, two or three months ago, they're they gone. The store is still empty. Although the regular Loman's is still there across the street. So look for the Loman's. Point in your direction the other way, and you'll and see need you
2: Shoes. Copy them.
0: Exactly. Put your shoes on their xeroxes. You get 10% off if you're a Dave's Gone By listener at ULIT Minuteman. That's a
2: great shoe sale.
0: Okay, pretty much. Only with copies. There's no business like shoe business, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. <laughs> and finally, our new sponsor, God bless him. We have a recent sponsor. That, that wonderful deli. The Woodrow, located on Peninsula Boulevard, in the Peninsula Shopping Center, actually. At, um, let's see what is that next to Oh, it's next to a couple of other restaurants, and it's next to a big toy store, and it's next to a big shopping um, and you, supermarket.
2: And you leave off the last W for...
0: Wow. We were, what was it going to be? We were, we were having a contest. Mm-hmm. right. We're not going to give out any of the um, the entrance yet, but tell the contest again. What the
2: contest is, we're, we're making up a new slogan for the Woodrow, which is leave off the last W for...
0: Wow, something.
2: Or, Or, if you have a better phrase please enter that yeah.
0: give us a slogan that we can advertise the Woodrow Delicatessen and you will win at the end of um, it's Lip- the end of October or uh, the end of November you said end of November end of November it's for Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving you will win a lunch for two provided for us by Jeff Goodman at the Woodrow Delicatessen a no.
2: lunch for two as long as you're on the diet
0: no 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 it's a, come on it's not even dinner You can you can spring for a lunch if they win Thank you very much. for. for I story. can.
2: Get it on an envelope. So
0: how are you going to write the slogan? You're going to do it because you'll know these things about the Woodrow Delicatessen. It's delicious. It's kosher. It's, it's
2: delightful. It's
0: been around for 40-something years in the same place and making fresh, delicious cold cuts and entrees in the great deli tradition. And it has no ending W. No, it's Woodrow Delicatessen. Woodrow. R.
2: R-O-O-D-R-O.
0: No, W-O-O-D-R-O.
2: That, uh, that would have been
0: Woodrow.
2: Oh, I went to I, I went to China for a second. You took
0: out all the W's there. No, it's Wood w- R-O-O-D, W-O-O-D mm-hmm. R-O. Delhi Oh, and it's also the Woodrow Delhi. So go there, please. It's on the uh, Peninsula Shopping Center. I've been going there since literally I was twelve years old, from when my family moved out to Long Island. Been having their pastrami, their frankfurters, their Hawaiian chicken salad, their chicken dishes, the can-ish? chicken.
1: Okay. The finishes
0: are good They've got the round ones They've also got the square ones they, You name
1: it How about pickles? Got,
0: pi, pickles are free You've got, you got a big bowl of pickles on the table You get bread Sliced um, rye bread on the table With your order Coleslaw um, They have potatoes But you don't Well I guess you have to order potato salad, But they have coleslaw That they give you with a meal
2: They get the, the beets or, or the tomatoes is, uh stewed tomatoes they have, t- You know what they the have stewed
0: um, Stewed zucchini that's really good as a side dish. It's absolutely delicious. If you're, if you're looking for something more vegetable, like my wife is a vegetarian. We go to the Woodrow Deli, she orders a vegetable omelet, and she loves it. It's delicious. The Woodrow Deli, check it out and tell them Dave sent you. Well, t- we're, we're running a little behind already, so let's go into this episode of Dave's Gone By. We're calling it Logan's Run in honor of my new little, little, little cousin. She's not going to be on the air, but I think her mom and her dad are. We'll be with them, this wonderful new family, right after these messages. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By on this very special Sunday night, October 12th. It's special in my family because after quite a bit of relentless not-so-good news, not just for the country, but it was a rough summer, it was a rough year, we had a bit of good news, spectacularly good and happy news in my family this week, and um, I'm going to let the person to whom the good news happened tell you. She's my cousin, Stephanie, and she's on the phone here to talk about, well, what did you do this week, Stephanie? Oh,
3: it was pretty exciting. I had a baby this week.
0: Your own, right?
3: My own baby. Yay!
0: (laughs) Mazel tov, mazel tov. Tell us, tell us. Thank you. Was it early? Was it on time? Was it,
3: what was it? She was right on time. I was due October 8th, mm-hmm. and she was born October 9th at 2 a.m. in the morning. 2.04 to be exact.
0: Mitmazel, Mitmazel. What's her name?
3: Her name is Logan Emily.
0: Logan Emily. Where'd you... I know... I assume you needed an L for reason? We needed
3: an L. Her first name is named after my father. Okay. And her middle name, Emily, is named after my father-in-law, whose name was Eric.
0: Oh, okay. And... What made you choose, though, Logan specifically, as opposed to Lori or Lucy, well, or Lainey?
3: Um,
0: or Lichamachaluch, which is which <laughs> an old Jewish name that uh, some people yes, have used.
3: Because that's probably a mouthful, and she'd probably be in third grade before she could spell it. <laughs> but,
1: um,
3: Logan, um... My husband decided that when we first found out I was pregnant, that he knew we needed an L, mm-hmm. and he said, "How about the name Logan?" And I said, "I like the sound of it." Cool. And we went through a couple of other L names, and we didn't like any of them as much.
1: Do you know
0: what the it Hebrew? A little different. Do you know what the Hebrew name for Logan would be? No, I don't. Are you gonna? Are you gonna have a naming thing or any kind of uh, something like that? Because it's a girl, you know. Obviously, not gonna have her circumcised. She's not African. No, well, we
3: tried that, and they said no in the hospital, they actually. Oh, really?
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, we are. We're going to have a baby naming probably in the beginning of December.
0: Oh, it, so you can wait on that? It doesn't have to be within a week or two or something?
3: Nope, anytime. Oh. It's just kind of welcome her into the Jewish religion. You have a baby naming.
0: Right, but it, does, it doesn't have to be within a week or two. Or, no, there's oh. no time frame. Awesome. And by the way, Logan is happy and healthy and all that kind of thing.
3: She is. She's wonderful. With a full head of hair. A full, Really? Yes. She came out with
0: a mane, huh? what, yes, what? she did. She, I assume she's dark. Oh,
3: Dark as in dark hair? <laughs> she's not tan yet.
0: <laughs> yes, dark as in dark hair. Or
3: <laughs> yes, she's,
0: dark skin she's got, would be a bit of a shock at this point. Yeah.
3: She's got dark brown hair uh-huh. and grayish blue, more dark gray eyes.
0: Oh, really? She got the light eyes. Or will yeah. those change, do you think? Do, They'll do,
3: probably change. Cool. But you never know because Adam has, Adam has like, hazel eyes. Hazel, green, gray. Right. And mine are brown, so I'm hoping they kind of stay the color they are.
0: Now, now, being nice, although Adam does not exactly have the best eyes. No. They're very good-looking eyes, but unfortunately <laughs> he has uh, all sorts of little medical problems with them. How's he doing with that?
3: He, he's good. He's doing Okay. Good. Well, Yeah, okay. I mean, obviously okay, it's not genetic, so we'll be okay.
0: Now, how big was Logan, or is Logan?
3: Logan, when she was first born, she was six pounds eight ounces. Oh, six 19...
0: eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: And nineteen inches long. Uh
0: huh. And... <laughs> if only I were. Yeah, but you know. Thank <laughs> you very much.
3: And uh, when we took her home, she was six pounds three ounces.
0: So you're starving her, basically. You're.
3: <laughs> no, the baby loses a little bit of weight in the ho- right after they're born.
0: Why is that?
3: I'm not really sure, actually, but um, they say it's healthy and it's normal, so that's all that mattered to us.
0: Thank God, absolutely. I mean, were there was it an easy? It seemed to be. You were walking around eight and a half months doing everything completely like you were. You were teaching, right?
3: I, I was, and more ironic than that, I was on Monday. Um, three days before she was born. Uh As you know, I'm a phys ed teacher in Brooklyn and I was doing jumping jacks with my class.
1: (laughs) Now,
0: I mean, are you retarded? I mean, why would you do that? You're a pregnant woman, eight and a half months. Why would you do jumping jacks with children?
3: Uh, Because I, 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 I was very lucky. I had a wonderful pregnancy. It was... Easy from beginning to end until I got to the labor and delivery part. I yeah. Um, and I felt good and I I wanted to stay active and moving around and I thought it'd be best for me and best for the baby. And I mean I didn't do my full out jumping jacks. I it took it carefully.
0: Did um, you do your squat thrusts? Did that make the baby come a little a little fast? I
3: did. I did my squats like my Lamaze teacher taught me to.
0: Really? Okay. I did
3: they do? They tell you to do squats. Uh huh. And um. And I, I just walked around a lot and stayed active and moving, and because I felt good and I felt like I could do it, and I didn't overdo it, so.
0: And you carried totally in the belly.
3: I, I mean, I, I looked like I had a basketball under my shirt, and that was it. Literally, literally,
0: it was amazing. I mean, how much did you weigh at your your weightiest? Like a hundred and twenty?
3: No, we'll keep that a secret. But I, <laughs> but I, but I, but I did not gain a lot of weight. I was and I, not intentionally. I, I didn't. Watch myself. I didn't certainly didn't starve myself. You know, I ate healthy. Um, I didn't change my eating when I got pregnant. Some people, you know, take pregnancy and say, okay, hot fudge sundays at night. And as good as they sound, and I had my one or two. Um, I didn't crave anything, so I just ate normal, and I put on uh, I put on 23 pounds to be exact.
0: 23 pounds for a seven pound kid. That's yeah. that's all right. Now, now you, I always thought you were a vegetarian, but you'll have chicken.
3: Is no, that- yeah. No, I'm not a vegetarian. Oh, I, just, yeah. I don't like I don't eat red meat or fish, but oh, that's okay. not because of it's not because of um uh, any of any belief. I just don't like it.
0: You don't like the taste of it, but no. chicken, you're okay. You kind of dig it. Chicken, you know.
3: turkey, yeah, absolutely.
0: And so when you were pregnant, you had some of that without having to have red meat the whole time. Yeah. There was no point at which the doctor said you should have meat or or you, no. you were having a perfectly fine diet
1: for the kid. Yeah.
3: Cool. And I, I like beans, and I like, you know, I eat a lot of things that have protein in it, peanut butter.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Unfortunately, when I first got pregnant, my one stability, which is chicken, was my biggest aversion. Um, so my first couple of, probably the first two or three months I was pregnant, I didn't eat any chicken.
0: Well, I don't get um, it. You, you were just it you're I lost couldn't
3: it. even look at it. Really? It was, it was nauseating to me chicken cutlets, chicken breast, uh, chicken wings, chicken nuggets, anything, anything that I always uh, eat.
0: Chicken nuggets are generally nauseating to everybody,
1: but
3: No, yeah. I love chicken nuggets.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> my
3: favorite. The chicken fingers, but I couldn't even look at them. Good so lord. I, I my first couple of weeks I lived on macaroni and cheese. That was that was a good thing.
0: Yeah.
3: Carbs become your best friend because they kind of settle a little bit of nausea. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah. So did you have much
0: morning sickness? Did you deal with... I had,
3: I had very little.
0: Cool. I
3: never got sick and a little nausea, but um, I was very very lucky, to say the least. <laughs> now, the,
0: the one thing about having a kid in this day and age is because there's four zillion TV channels and there's mm-hmm. a hundred gazillion internet sites and, and books and things, did you, how did you keep from being overwhelmed with information?
3: Um, I had, you know, the first thing someone brought me was what to expect when you're expecting.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
3: And at the very beginning, I said, great, wonderful, I've got nine months to read this book. And I read probably the first hundred pages and then stopped reading for a while and read a couple more pages. <laughs> and then about three weeks ago, I realized the baby's coming in soon, and I crash-read another few chapters. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah.
3: And, um... I, I You can't, you can't read, you can't believe everything that you read. Hmm. Otherwise, you'll make yourself crazy because there's so many things out there. What can happen? You
4: right. know, what
3: to, you can, you can go crazy doing it. So you have to take everything in stride. And if you want to go crazy reading things and. And looking up on things you can. The information is definitely out there, especially with the Internet now.
0: Right, exactly. Um, But I just figured the temptation, every single thing you look up and then you look up something else, and two things contradict each other, and you you
1: just get... Yeah,
3: things definitely contradict each other, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, And you're not sure really what to believe. But I'm one of those people that what's going to happen is going to happen. And you, you listen to a lot of people. People love to tell you horror stories. As soon as you get pregnant, everyone has to share their story with you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but you don't. Amazingly enough, you don't have a horror story even for the labor and delivery. When you went in at what, like eight o'clock at night?
3: I went in. It was actually six o'clock at night, Wednesday night. Uh huh. And um, and I was still. I, I walked into the hospital smiling, and all the nurses said to me, "Are you sure you're in labor?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, my obstetrician just told me that I was four and a half centimeters dilated, so I should be here." <laughs> And um I said, I, you know, I feel okay. I said, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable every couple of minutes. Right. But I feel okay. And they said, are you really sure you're in labor? And I said, <laughs> I believe so. So they, you know, hooked me up to all the machines and they said, yeah, you are. And then, um you know, by about 7.30, 8 o'clock, I was really starting to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And by about 8.30, they, I was willing to have an epidural because ah. the last few contractions were you see stars.
0: Oh really they're that oof okay, well,
3: yeah, so they get they get bad, they get nasty, so, hmm. um and, and so
0: once you have the epidural, that's just it's a shot in the spine, right that's all it that um, is
3: y- yeah, what it actually is is they give you a numbing shot first in your spine, yeah mm-hmm. uh, in the epidural, I can't remember what part, but first, they give you like a like a numbing shot, yeah, and then they actually. Give you another shot and they insert a catheter into oh, your spine. Oh, yay, yay,
0: yay, yay, yay. Well, yeah, so that cathodic. you have a constant. Yeah, okay. Oof. Uh. But
3: um, when you're in that much pain, you're willing to do anything, and this is coming from the person who's per- terrified of needles.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I
3: was okay with whatever they were going to do to me. <laughs> well, I
0: saw the second shot with the catheter didn't hurt because you had the first shot.
3: Right. I mean, yeah. you feel, you know, a little twinge here and there, and uh. then actually the anesthesiologist says you're going to feel almost like electric shocks going down your leg. And you do. You almost feel like your leg got electrocuted, and it starts, like, jumping a little bit. But it's only a couple of seconds, and then literally within ten minutes,
1: yeah.
3: it, the pain's completely gone.
1: Uh-huh. I laid there
3: for the next, you know, three hours, not even knowing I was having contractions. You didn't I even
1: just, feel pressure?
3: I felt nothing. It, it was like, it was a godsend. I said to I said to one of my friends who's eight months pregnant, I said, don't be afraid. Get the epidural.
0: I'm getting an epidural next time I go to the dentist.
3: I'm telling you, it's, it's a and I said as long as it's safe for me and the baby, as long as it's yeah, safe yeah. for the baby first of all. And I said, as long, you know, as long as it's safe, I, I I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. I said I am not a you know if it's safe I'll have it and it it, it did it it made it made it much more bearable.
0: Wow, and and so you first of all, it was a natural all the way kind of thing.
3: Yeah, you- I mean I had a. You know, I don't know if I should say it on the radio, but a vaginal delivery. Yes,
0: yes, okay. <laughs>
3: and um, the
0: cooler is intact, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
3: it's a little um, bent out of shape right now, <laughs> but <laughs> yes.
0: Thanks for the image. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good lord. Well, but, um, no, mazel th- I mean, so you didn't have a cesarean or anything like that. Was it was regular feet first kind of a thing or head
1: first?
3: Oh, head, head first, first. That's right. Head first. Head first. Yeah, Do you, you d- want them to come out head first.
0: Now, when that was happening, since you weren't in any pain, were you able, or did you want to look at that, or were you just eyes closed, looking up, did not want to see that coming out of you? Uh,
3: well, what happens is the epidural ran out at 12 o'clock. <sighs> at oh 9. boy! Yeah. So what they do is the baby happened to be, you know, head down, right, ready in position, so ready to start pushing. So what you have to do is you actually have to wait for the epidural to start to wear off when you feel the contractions coming. Because so you have to know when to push. Yeah. They can't tell you. You have to feel it. So, I mean, in in my head, I said, okay, as soon as I start to feel this a tiny bit, I'm going to push like crazy because I don't want the epidural <sighs> yeah. to you know, completely and then have to push. So, as soon as I start to feel a little bit of pressure, I said, okay, I'm ready to push. And um, me, I had to push for a little under an hour, which, hmm. you know, some people push two times and the baby flies out. Yeah, right. Some people push for... Three hours. So um, I was pretty lucky in that area too. But it's 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 draining. It's exhausting pushing, and um, it's uncomfortable. Oh yeah. The epidural starts to wear off more and more. So I mean, I had my eyes closed just because I was drained from pushing.
1: Oh.
0: And
3: um, by that point, you kind of really don't want to see too much. But you know, finally when the baby did come out,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. um, the doctor almost dropped her. The second doctor had to catch her.
1: Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's she was that's... a little slippery. Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, but thank goodness she's okay, and they they put her right on onto your abdomen, so you see her, and she's a little messy looking.
0: Uh huh.
3: But she was beautiful. Oh. And um. And
0: did um your husband cut the uh, umbilical or Did you?
3: The Umbilical cord. He was there the whole time, right next to me.
0: Oh. Um.
3: He was great. So um yeah, he cut the umbilical cord, and then I did something called I I saved the cord blood.
0: Oh, that, that's the thing for DNA. I just read something in the newspaper about cord blood and how yep. they're they're using that. So they're going to freeze it, right, or something, and it's there just in case your kid has a disease down the line. Yes. And is, is that what it is?
3: So, yeah, basically. What they do is they take all the all the cord blood out of the umbilical cord. You send away for it. you. There's several companies that do it, but you send away for a kid.
0: You have to have like for some box like tops and,
1: and things, and, and <laughs> yeah.
3: So, and you get the kit in the mail, and, and um, you bring it with you to the hospital. And what they do, as soon as the baby's born and they cut the cord, they take the blood, and the company comes to pick the blood up within two hours of the baby being born. Wow! And it's taken right to the lab. It's you know tested for a whole bunch of things, and then it's frozen. And basically, what it is is, God forbid, if your your baby or any of your children, if you do it one time, it's good for any of your children.
1: Oh!
3: Um, and if God forbid, any of your children are born with um, a whole slew of diseases. Um, they have hopefully enough of the stem cells that they can heal the baby.
0: So that's what they're getting from the blood is, is the stem cells. Yes. Because yep. to make extra money, we've been renting half of our downstairs fridge for for cord <laughs> blood. We, I mean, we keep obviously extra soda and leftovers and leftover cake in, in the basement fridge, but we had we weren't using half the fridge, so we that's figured that works. Yeah, there's there's cord blood to the right and food to the left. It works. hope sort of you never called.
3: mix it up for ketchup. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, you know, I have to say those fries tasted a little peculiar the other day. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I've been, I've been talking, this has been so much fun, and, and, and I want to wish you, of course, a big, big mazel tub and happiness Thank and health too. to Logan Emily Shefflin. But uh, I do want to get your husband in on the act. And meanwhile, like breathing over my shoulder because he wants to be part of this, too, is uh, Rabbi Saul Solomon, the spiritual leader of Temple nice. Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. And he's such a friend of mine and, and um, of my family, too, that I want him to be part of this great celebration. Cool. So I'm going to bring the rabbi in. And if you want to bring um, your, your husband, Adam, sure. um, uh, the rabbi can talk to him and do kind of a man talk sort of a thing, a guy-to-guy thing.
3: Okay, not a problem at all.
0: So, so congratulations again. Well, you know, may it live to 100, and, not yet, may she live to 120-something, or more, maybe everybody will live by 120-something by the time, uh, you know, her time rolls around, so, bring, bring on your husband, bring on, and I'll bring on the rabbi. Okay,
3: sure, he's right here, hold on one second. You
0: got it, rabbi? What?
3: Oh, oh, finally, finally you gave off the phone, hello. What's the microphone.
0: Shalom! Yes. Oh, Shalom, damn it, hello, Mazeltov, mazel, you, you father, you, how are you? Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you very much. So I was listening to Dave talking to our wife, Stephanie, about the, the the labor and the delivery. You were there for the whole time to watch everything, right? I saw everything except the kid come out. I missed that part. How, what? What do you mean you missed it? What? Were you, uh, taking a pee? How <laughs> do you miss that part?
5: It's a sad story, but I missed it. I it's like watching uh,
0: Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. And I, was, I was good. I was watching. It was Charlton Heston. It was Barry, but the crossing of the Red Sea. Ah, uh, I was popcorn. I was out for, how the hell did you miss the thing being born? I blinked. I
5: blinked. Good. I no, saw it beforehand good. and I saw it afterwards.
0: I didn't see the thing. Oh my! And you cut the the umbilicus thing? Yes, I did. Was that sickening or was it really cool? It was really cool. Oh, oh, this, this is mom. So tell me something. So what does it feel like? Obvious question, of course. What does it feel like to be a daddy? A
1: little
5: better than being a mommy. There's no breastfeeding involved, but...
0: uh That would be the fun part, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, but no, I mean, do you feel more of a, a mature person or a man, or do you just feel the same, only now you have this thing that you have to feed?
5: Yes. The second one is true, but I cannot say
0: that, because she's listening. <laughs> so, ha, ha, I, I wondered this about uh, babies also. Is it, is it seeing anything? Has it opened its eyes?
5: It looks Look. at me. It knows who I am already.
0: Really? really? Oh, this is marvelous. I mean, knows, she knows she...
5: who I am. i not it. She knows who I she am. She knows
0: who I am. I'm sorry for the it thing. I get my pronouns confused. And she's uh, she knows you're the father. That is correct. Wow. Or, or at least she assumes, because let's face it, you'll never really know. You never really know with women. But let's assume that you are a father. Mazel tov, mazel tov.
5: That's a big assumption.
0: Now, can, can you two pinpoint the night that you created Logan Emily? Do you yeah, remember? Short yeah. sure can. Oh, what happened? When was it? What was the, the...
5: It was sometime in January.
0: Well, this I could have figured out. But what, uh, you know, was it a particular romantic evening or...
5: Uh... It was raining out.
0: Okay. And it was cold. So you had nothing else to do. So you leaped into the bed, and did you do a special thing where you said, okay, I'm going to get you pregnant on this one? That is, that is exactly
5: what happened. We were eating dinner, and I said, tonight's the night.
0: Really? And
5: that is correct.
0: Wow, but you know, I, I do take a little bit of an edge, you weren't married at that point. naughty, naughty. Naughty. Why were you well, trying I mean, to do this out of order, then?
5: It's funny you mentioned that, because when I said to her, tonight is the night, she thought tonight was the night we were going to get engaged. <laughs> <And>
0: little <laughs> did she know. Little did she know. Well, you were putting something on something, but it wasn't a ring on a finger, let me tell you. <laughs> you were leaving something off something. Like, oh, well, I, I mean, oh. So, So, did you have that moment after it was done, where you looked at her and you went, you know, I think, I think we made a Logan?
5: I think I, I, think I remember saying that. Uh.
0: Wow. So then... Was that the impetus to get married a couple of, a little while later?
5: Um, that had no, no, not even a
0: little bit. So the marriage would have been anyway you were hoping to do it.
5: That is correct.
0: Oh, I was God. waiting
5: I was waiting for August 3rd, 2008. Yeah.
0: And what, what was the significance of August 3rd, 2008?
5: I just always thought about that when I was a kid growing up. I said, "I want to get married August 3rd, 2008.
0: You must have been a very strange child, let me tell you. By the way, how are your eyes? Stephanie said they're okay, but... I uh, got both of
5: them. I got both of them. One th- of them wasn't mine.
0: <laughs> you, do you have different corneas now or something like that? Yes.
5: Yes, I do. So, it was a good deal. It was a good deal. I got it on sale, actually.
0: Two for one. Well, you're both teachers and you both have pupils. <laughs> Damn it. Speaking of the fact that you are both teachers, how are you going to balance now, both of you, working and raising a, a thing?
5: Well, it was very simple. It's a decision. We decided we both would stop working.
0: For how long? Forever.
5: Well, as long as we can.
0: But this is two nice. Years, two years. I, I would like to do that. Yeah. I think I'm going to stop working forever now. <laughs> I'll let the government pay me because they're bailing everybody else out. Let them bail me out. I, I'm taking off.
5: I agree. And we get a tax deduction, so we can even work less. <laughs>
0: very good. Have you chosen like the high school already, and what college it's gonna she's going to go to?
5: We're actually, we're at- funny. Mentioned it. We're actually going on Wednesday to set up a college fund.
0: It's a very wise
5: idea. We're going to try to push it through within two years. Instead of
0: the usual four or five years, we're going to go for a two-year college plan. Please, a year and a half. It's still cheaper yet. I mean, you probably should do it for elementary schools now. Do you think you'll go public or private or pubic or what? Uh, Pubic after public. Pubic after public. That makes sense to me. Well, Adam I there's so much good news. On this, because you had the wedding recently, you had the, the, the baby recently, so, so much muzzle, so much happiness, and you just moved into a house, am I right? That is correct. When did you, how did that work out? It's working
5: out lovely. We're painting as, we, as, we, as she breastfeeds the baby, she takes a break, and then she paints special paint, milk paint.
0: Milk? No odors. Oh,
5: is, it, is that really true? Perfect. That is true. They came out with a new paint. It's, it's a milk-based paint.
0: So, in other words, the, the toxic fumes don't even smell. So, this is a good thing. I like this.
5: Actually, after she's done breastfeeding, I hold the baby and she paints the walls and everything.
0: Well, you know, you've got to put her to work because she'll get lazy.
5: You know correct. how women
0: are. I'm, oh, I'm sorry I, to
5: say it, but it's. I hope my daughter follows in her footsteps, a hard
1: worker.
0: Now, I don't mean to offend by this question, but it is important to me, if to no one else. Do you, are you going to raise the baby Jewish?
1: Of course. Yes, damn what it, else is yes. To do?
0: Well, you're not. You are not. Are oh. you? No, you're not, but it's very nice of you yeah. to have, you had a Jewish wedding ceremony, and you're going to raise the baby as a yid, which is, you're bringing someone into the fold. I mean, the baby's already sort of in the fold, because the mom is Jewish. Have you thought about converting, or are you are not going to go yet? Yeah? I,
5: I had a bar mitzvah.
0: You had a bar mitzvah? I
5: had a bar mitzvah so, growing up, sure.
0: So you're Jewish?
5: Sure
0: am. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so, how do you say that you're not Jewish? You're Jewish!
5: Well, I go to church with my mom every once in a while.
0: Uh, i go to church for funerals, but it doesn't make me the Pope. Well,
5: should b- me think that. Maybe it will.
0: I want to, to leave you, Adam Shefflin, with such mausoleum and such good luck, and of course your your lovely wife, Stephanie, my cousin, my, my, my uh, Dave's cousin, excuse me, oops, make a little boo there, with a blessing and a convocation. Are you ready for your blessing? I need one of those. I haven't had one in a
5: while.
0: Here we go. Here, lower your head and think spiritual thoughts. Let there be light, let there be joy, let there be ten fingers, ten toes, and a vagina. May Logan eat from the table of knowledge and poop out all her sins. May she always have enough onions, because you can never have too many onions. May she ride buses and subways and never be annoyed by cell phones. May her enemies be kicked to death by vicious, invisible ostriches. May her worst disease be a pimple, and may her worst nightmare end with Golda Meir saving the day. May she one day see Eretz royal, but only after seeing Paris, Rome, and parts of New Rochelle. May she never be home when Jehovah's Witnesses knock, but always home for Publisher's Clearinghouse. And to you... And to Stephanie, may Logan be a pleasure to you in your youth, a comfort to you in your old age, and a funding source in your senility. And may Logan grow up to have her own strong, healthy family, and may they give her the joy and nachos that my family doesn't give me. Hear, O Israel, or if you're deaf, feel it, This is my blessing and sanctification on Logan Emily Sheflin. Welcome to the world. It's too late to get out now. Bien-Ru, Amen. Amen. Mazel tov, mazel tov to the Sheflins. Thank you. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine and Totaltheater.com. Yes, we are going inside Broadway because there's so much Broadway going on. This is the time. There are two times of the year that Broadway really perks up and a whole bunch of shows start to open at the same time. happens in the spring for a couple of weeks before they start nominating things for Tony Awards, and it also happens generally in October up through very early November. You get a whole spate, like almost a dozen different shows opening on Broadway.
2: It's Broadway's own October 1st.
0: It it is. Really, it's almost like a festival of shows, because you get two or three a week. A festival? So, in recent times, we've had had, uh, Tale of Two Cities. We've had, what else? Equus. Equus opened up last week. We were talking about that, or two weeks ago it opened up. Mm -hmm. You know, Title of Show opened a little earlier than that. And now we're going to be reviewing two Broadway shows tonight on Inside Broadway, as well as an off-Broadway show. So, stick around. It's going to be fun. Now, to help us review the first show that we're going to deal with. It's a new musical, and what's really kind of interesting and exciting about it is it didn't start off-Broadway, it didn't run for a little while, and then be brought uptown, kind of like Spring Awakening did, or the way they did with title of show. This this one was tried out for for a little period out of town, and then bam, right to Broadway. It's by composer Jason Robert Brown, with a book by Dan Eilish and Robert Horn, and it's called 13, and what uh, 13 was kind of special about it is it's about teenagers. Well, that's not so special anymore on Broadway, because every other show now, between Spring Awakening and Grease and, well, there's, there's one or two others, Legally Blonde. I mean, every, everything is about Legally 13. Blonde
2: closes next week.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, but, you know, that's been running a, a year and a half or whatever it is. But the thing about 13 is the teenagers are played by actual teenagers, everyone in the cast. Is young, assumedly under seventeen. Probably most of them under. 14, I wonder if under they have 15.
2: double casts. They have double casts.
0: I think for maybe one or two roles, but I think most of them are there are really actually. So there they the have time. to be
2: like over fifteen, don't they? I, I think, think they
0: are over fifteen, but these are not people of drivers' ed age. I, not, I, you non- can sort of see that. So,
2: non-seasoned actors.
0: So we're going to have with us in the studio someone else who is seen. The show. Jeff hasn't been able to, to catch it yet. So I got a fellow named Joel Markowitz, who writes for DCTheaterScene.com. He's basically a Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, New York area critic who covers that whole turf, and he's going to help us review 13 and tell us what he thought of that. So first of all, Joel, are you are you with us?
4: I'm with you. How are you doing, both of you?
0: We're good. We're good. How was your weekend?
4: Very busy. I've been in the theater. I wonder why, right? Well, what? <laughs> Were you in New because York the whole weekend? or No, I'm here in D.C., actually. so what? I saw, I saw yeah. a very interesting production of the producers over at Toby's Dinner Theater. The <laughs> dinner theater of Columbia was wonderful, actually. My, the they, full how the grades have fallen, huh? They're already
0: doing producers in dinner theater. Was anybody uh, famous in
4: it? Well, locally, they're all famous, I okay. must say. And you'll have to come visit and see all this great talent here in D.C.
2: Are there any congressmen in it?
4: Uh, not what we saw, but there was something wiggling under my table. So who knows? Good Lord. Barney frank, get out from under
1: that
0: day. <laughs>
4: well, let's be frank here and talk about 13, right? Okay.
0: Let's, let's, let's talk about 13, which um, is directed by Jeremy Sams, choreographed by Christopher Gatelli, has a, a score that's basically young-ish, even though it's written by a guy who's got to be in his 30s at this point. What did you think of 13.
4: Well, you know, when you have a show with kids and real kids playing kids, mm-hmm. there's always something special on Broadway. I think you mentioned about Spring Awakening, where this, this very dedicated cast stayed with this show for so long, and they really weren't of the age of the characters they were playing, although I love Spring Awakening and the big fan supporter of it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was
4: nice to see these younger kids fitting the right age there on the, on the stage and also getting a chance to sing this great score by one of my favorite composers, Jason Robert Brown, who, for your audience, probably knows, that he won the Tony as a very young guy, writing a score for Parade.
1: Oh. And he's written two
4: of my favorite shows, The Last Five Years, and Songs for New World. So to sit there and see Jason there, and I got to bump into him after the show, and he seemed pleased. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to sit there and hear these kids singing this wonderful music that, from the genius of Jason Robert Brown was a real thrill for me. Well, you used the G word. That's interesting. He's, he's a very... He is a genius, and a lot of people don't know about him, but they will after this.
0: So, you, uh, it's funny. When we, we did the little pre-interview, or, or I talked to you a few seconds uh, a little while ago to make sure the interview was set up, the way you make it sound, it sounded like you didn't like it. And now oh, I'm...
4: I, always, I was kibitzing with you.
0: you oh, because I, mean? I kind of liked it, too. I had a bit of a problem with the book, because... The,
4: book got, the book's yeah. got uh, You know, what's that one thing that keeps saying I've got to keep doing my homework?
1: Yeah,
0: the
4: line they keep doing its the name of a song in the show. It's called "A Little More Homework," and I think they need a little more homework on that book. What do you think?
0: Well, it's—it's—they make things a little too black and white and a little too easy. I mean, aside from the fact that here's this kid and the the story, the the whole plot of it is this young bar mitzvah aged fellow, as bar mitzvah aged fellows tend to be. He's thirteen. He's all about to have this this big party in New York with all his friends for his bar mitzvah, but his parents split up. And he ends up having to move with his mom all the way to, where is it, Podunk, somewhere, Nowheresville? Indiana. Somewhere. In, uh, worse than Podunk, Indiana. Right. And he's got to make all these new friends, or at least try to, and still have this party. And he feels, in, in, a, in a plot point, that really feels so after-school, not, not even quite worthy of an after-school special. He has to get in with the coolest guy in school, who is, of course, kind of a jerk. And you and, and in doing so, he has to betray his next door neighbor, who's been really nice to him and their close friends. I and mean, it's done so
4: boldly but and it's obviously predictable, don't you think? Oh, very. It's written for kids, so the question is, maybe they didn't want to be so specific, and so. So you think oh, that's? Was,
0: a, I'm sorry, that, but that's the the crux right there. You think it's really written for kids?
4: I look, you know, I was I always stand. You know, there was no intermission here. So what, right. what I usually do is. Stand out there like an eavesdropper, you know,
1: mm-hmm. an intermission,
4: and after the show, and I listened to what people are saying. The kids loved it. I mean, they were eating too much candy and unwrapping stuff during the show. I sat in front of a whole family that decided to bring a whole lunch of Hershey stuff from the Hershey store. I'll tell you, you were lucky you sat in front of me. But uh, these kids, after they finished their lunch, I asked them, and they said, them, "God, I, we loved it."
5: Okay, you
0: know? That's all that count-
4: That's all that counts for me. It's a, it's a show for families to introduce their kids to the theater. I think that's great.
0: Well, that can't be all that counts for you, because then any show that would appeal to kids, and let's face it, you bring the kids to the theater for the first, second, or third time, and unless it's a really boring drama, they're going to be so enamored of it, whether it's this, or Legally Blonde, or Starlight Express, or Cats. I mean, you bring a 10-year-old to Cats. cats. You know, let not
4: mention
0: Cats. All right, yeah. well, well, but seriously, a 10-year-old's going to think Cats is the best thing in the whole wide world. So that's not necessarily a a fully
1: legitimate...
4: No, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is I was looking at the kids that day, and I asked a lot of these families "Was it the first time they came to the theater in a long time, and it was. So to Mm. introduce their kids to the theater through the show and Jason Robert Brown's great music, to me that's something good. Is it the world's greatest show? No. We okay. talked about the book has got some problems The sets are pretty cheap looking Don't you think Yeah it, it, the, it, It's
0: a funny book though I, li- I like A lot of the jokes Made me actually laugh
4: well, These are written by guys Who are Borscht humorists, You know um, I know Robert Horn's Written for uh, Designing Women
1: hmm.
0: I
4: mean These are guys who You know They know how to make people laugh And
0: uh-huh. I think the The thing But it is the humor I think that pushes it Plus obviously Robert Brown's score Is is kind of cool so that's what pushes it a little higher than, say, something you would see at works USA, where, you know, it's a balance there of maybe that's where this really belonged, but it's fun and it's good enough, and why not put it on Broadway if people are going are gonna to be attracted to it there? Why not no, give it problem. that shot? I'm
4: sorry. You know, no. The problem is, yeah. I don't think you're getting these shows like title show, which, which I love. And you had glory days that moved from here to a Broadway theater, and a show like this
1: and did very well. With the economy,
4: <laughs> with the, economy the way it is now, is the show worth one hundred and eleven dollars and fifty cents, which is the top ticket, or should they move it off Broadway where the tickets are lower?
0: Well, glory I don't days, know what, glory days, wasn't worth eleven dollars and fifty cents.
4: I'm not going to comment here because I got into enough trouble out here. But anyway, <laughs> but, really, so and so uh, you look. This is a this is a show for families. I don't know what's going to happen to the economy.
0: Let me ask you, is it worth $111.50? To me, first I'm so broke. Nothing. The, the, Moses returning would not be hundred dollars
2: There are very few shows that are worth that.
0: Jeff is very big on this. Jeff, my co-host um, on the show, yeah. Jeff Goodman, my guest co-host, is um, when he reviews a show, one of the things that he specifically does now is try and figure out the cost ratio of what it's actually worth in real terms to people who can basically afford to go to the theater. So he'll he'll put a dollar amount on a show. He hasn't seen thirteen, but like what Spring Awakening? What's that worth?
2: Oh, Spring Awakening was a good ninety hundred dollar show.
0: Ninety But that that
2: was with John Gallagher Jr. I thought he was spectacular. So maybe yeah, I,
0: agree. I agree. So maybe now it's only
4: eight.
2: Well, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Eighty. So what's
4: know. this one worth, guys? Tell me. How much is see, this worth to you?
2: I didn't see thirteen yet.
4: Yeah, but Dave. What if I that if worth I could afford
0: it, you know, I, I would pay say forty forty five to see it. But if I had, like, two kids,
4: I wouldn't want to pay, stu- you know, kid prices for it. I do not want to pay full price for that well,
1: either. Well, they did have that $13. Well, that's big problem round.
4: today, you know. It's a big yeah. problem. Should they put something like this in a new world stages, which I'm a firm believer in for a small show, put it off-Broadway, see if you can develop a following, and then consider moving it to Broadway, because we just saw a bunch of shows going right from, you know, not stopping off-Broadway or coming from off-Broadway and trying to move uptown and downtown. And,
0: well, In well, the and Heights they're not,
4: And they're not working. The title's so closed tonight.
0: Well, yeah, but title is so small. In the Heights moved from off-Broadway.
4: They, right. yeah. they did it right. They
2: did it right. But then you also have 9 to 5, which is coming right from L.A. Mm.
4: There's a lot of good stuff coming, you know, yeah. from out of town. 9 to 5, there.
0: you know, is not going to go to off-Broadway. That you. you no, I'm not it saying it's, it's good, show. but it's, it's having a big production right now. In Seattle. It's out Southwest. Yeah. so,
4: hey, that's different. That's, mm. different. that's a mega show that's going to be a mega hit. So. Yeah. That's not the same category here. But a small show, I, I mean, after watching what happened to Glory Days and the title of the show, and, you know. What did I, that I to
1: Glory Days? Can you explain <laughs> that? I, don't want to get,
4: I don't want to get into that. There's a great article I wrote comparing In the Heights to Glory Days, what worked and what didn't. Where
0: can so, people read
4: that? On DCTheaterScene.com. Just click on my Theater Schmooze column and you can find it there. Or type in Glory Days in the search thing. Theater you know, schmooze.
0: I, I like that. I and mean, how long have you been writing for DC Theater Scene? Well, you know, i am
4: almost four years now. And uh, what I do is I write a column. I'm not a critic. You called me a critic. I almost, oh, sh- you
0: know. Oh, excuse me. Here. I didn't
4: realize it a the theatrical head. journalist. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, that's a word that I can't even, you know, fathom me being critic. But I'm a columnist, actually. Ah. I write a column called Theater Smooth. Okay. Where I basically give my own opinion, But what I really do is I promote young actors. That's my thing. Oh. I write about musicals. So that's why I slept up there. Because I love to see young actors out there on the stage. And this was a very talented cast, didn't you think so?
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. A very personable cast. Uh, even the, the dislikable villain was actually kind of cool and likable yeah. in a surfer dude sort of a way.
4: So are you looking
2: forward to seeing the Billy Elliot's?
4: Well, you know, that just led me into something. I was going to give a plug for Corianne Stein. I write, a, I write a, every couple of months I write a feature called Scene Stealers. Mm-hmm. And I named this kid named Corianne Stein. She was... She played the composer in, in a production of High School Musical over at Music Theater Center in Rockville, Maryland. And uh, she was so fabulous in this production uh, that I wrote her up, and she was like nine and a half, ten years old, something like that. <laughs> and then I got a call from her father that she's now in Billy Elliot. Oh. So, yeah, how do you like that? So, that, so that's
0: please. the machus for you? Well, that's the word I'll use. Well, you yeah, know the so,
4: <laughs> you know, so here I am, and I'm ready to walk across the street to 13, and I'm ready to write a little note that signed backstage.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: She says, "Mr. michael was just me." She had grown since I'd seen her. You
1: know? Oh, wow, well, okay.
4: And there she was. It was you know, the nicest thing is true. Let me tell you, I felt so good to seeing her, and uh, there
0: she is. Well, it's yeah. nice. that you, already, you get to yeah. see her and, and Billy Elliot? Yeah, it was great. I, oh, you yeah. saw Billy Elliot
4: already? Has, it,
0: has Billy Elliot started previews? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Also yeah. you saw it? Can you? I, well, since you're not a reviewer, you're not a critic. Is it? Great, just in your opinion, from an early
1: preview? Is it really terrific?
4: I'm hearing amazing things, and the London production is amazing. Mm-hmm. And oh, what yes, I yes. what I really respect here, mm-hmm. which I'm so glad I think Elton and John held out here, is they didn't want to Americanize I mean, Billy Elliott the way they did Bombay Dreams, which was fabulous in London, and they destroyed it here. Yeah, it was pretty so- hair, I mean, Yeah, I give them a lot of credit or They stood by their, their show. And, but
2: are they going to have all the Thatcher jokes and all the, you know, that's.
4: You know what? This show is so fabulous that, and it's going to—I predict—we'll sweep all the ponies unless something amazing comes by, something we don't know about. Well, have that, you uh, seen It's going to be a classic. To run, to run for a while. It'll <laughs> <laughs> <It's going to, laughs> run for a while, guys.
0: Okay. Well, we kind of have to run for a bit here because it's 11:58 p.m. already. Oh my god! Here on WGBB, but I want to tell everybody and remind everybody again to read. Your Theater Schmooze column, Joel Markowitz's Theater Schmooze column, at dctheaterscene.com to find out. And my the
4: podcast, because I do podcasts.
0: And your podcast is all there at that,
4: that website? Yes, just click on our podcast right on the banner when you go in there.
0: dctheaterscene.com. Check it out. I want to thank Joel Markowitz so much for being Thanks, in the uh, theater.
4: Thank you for what you do for theater. I appreciate that.
0: You're, you're so welcome. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that was cool. Joel Markowitz from DCTheaterScene.com helping us... Not a critic. Not a critic. A a columnist. A theater journalist.
2: No, he said columnist.
0: Well, a columnist is sort of a journalist, kind of. Theater something. He's a writer. (laughs) Let's see. Shall we do... We have a little time. Let's get to the... um, well, I'm thinking of Saving Sunday the or? Seagull. Maybe I'll do First Breeze of Summer, because that's going to be closing in just a week or two. Okay. Do, do First
2: Breeze of Summer, because I'd love to hear about that.
0: Well, this is a, it's already on an extended run. This is towards the end of its run at the Signature Theater Company. Now, the Signature is an off-Broadway playhouse that's on West 42nd Street, all the way over by 11th Avenue. They've been around for about 12 seasons now. And you know, Jeff, what the the thing that the Signature does every year. Don't you? No. Oh. Well, since they started, they take a full season and they devote it to either a particular playwright or a particular theme. Hmm. So one year they did entirely, uh, I think, John Guare, and another season they did entirely Lanford Wilson. They did not all new plays. Okay. They did one even of Arthur Miller and some of his lesser-known work. So this particular season, the um, the Signature Theatre Company is devoting entirely to plays that were made famous by... And, and had some acclaim at the Negro Ensemble Company, which apparently is still going on, but its heyday was was more than 20 years ago. And this is the place where Leslie Lee came from and some, some other important black playwrights, and certainly important playwrights of the time. So they're out there trying to celebrate that and trying to bring the Negro Ensemble Company back into some level of prominence. And what I got most from watching First Breeze of Summer was the fact that August Wilson did not arise from a vacuum. He was not part of the Negro Ensemble. He came much later than that. And if you listen to him, and I, I talked to him when he was alive, he didn't really have much background in theater at all. People accused him of stealing a little bit from Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman when he was writing um, Fences. And he said, I've never read, I've never seen Death of a Salesman. I didn't need, I had a funeral scene in there, the guy dies. You know, That was it. So... But what you see from Leslie Lee's First Breeze of Summer, which is about this black family in the 70s, they're, they're kind of middle class, they they have a pretty nice life, but there's all this internal familial struggle. You've got the father, who's a big kind of a an angry man, he's a plasterer, one son is following him into the business, and is very comfortable in his skin. The other son doesn't want to be a plasterer, he he wants to be the brain, he wants to go to college, but he also might be kind of gay, so there's there's a little bit of problem there, and you you get that going on, alongside the memory play, that is going on with the grandmother of the family, and she remembers all over the years, of the relationships he, she's had, and the rather uh, not too wonderful men, that were part of her life, including the men who gave her her two, two children, so, the, the, the good part about First Breeze of Summer is that it's quite well acted. You get to see Leslie Uggams as the grandmother and she's having something of a, uh, a renaissance in her later career between appearing on Broadway in um, On Golden Pond and now she, she's in First Breeze of Summer. She's, she just, she's a really good and believable actress. And she's surrounded by some very good actors here in the signature production. There's just nothing particularly new here. It's a lot of family drama. They happen to be black, and some of the issues involved involve racism. And there's some really good monologue stories about what it's like and what it was like back then to um, to be black in America. Even though a lot of the struggle, it isn't just, oh my God, you would figure plays from the 1970s by black playwrights would just be, oh, Whitey is so bad, and it's all the white person's fault. And No, it isn't like that. There's internal stuff, too, that's eating them up from the inside and between each other. So I've got to say, the, um, they did a very good job on a pretty good play, but it's really not something you have to rush out and see, because there just isn't quite anything new here.
2: Well, they kind of do, because there's not much time before the run ends.
0: Yeah, this, we've got another week or, or two on it. So, now, what, what yeah. other
2: shows are they doing this year that that are Negro Ensemble? I don't think are they're, they're going to do a soldier's
0: soldier? st- I, I, We don't need another soldier's story because th- that's the most famous mm-hmm. one because it won the Pulitzer Prize, Charles Fuller's right. play. And they, But they revived that a couple of years ago off Broadway. Right. So I doubt there's the need to do that one. I think they're going to do Home, which oh. is the other famous black play to come out of that era.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'm not
0: sure the other stuff that they're doing. Oh. And I will say, it's funny, um, he was talking about the children's matinee when we were talking about the teen and the people with the rappers. In the first act, I was so happy that I was placed really, I think I was in the front row to see First Breeze of Summer, which was not so great on my neck. But otherwise, it was good because I was away from all the kids there because I saw it on a Wednesday matinee. And I could hear behind me the way children were, Eating and whispering and giggling in the wrong places. and They weren't a bad group, but they're still, you know what it's like to have a matinee school group. Some
2: And the b- blue haired ladies were going,
0: Well, I don't know, what color do, does black women's hair turn blue? You know, they're, they're, we all, all turn blue. So I don't know how they did it. I don't know who the teacher was. But they took the kids outside just basically to make an announcement and intermission not to eat because you're not supposed to be eating in that theater, and you could hear a pin drop through the second act. Wow. So, so thank you to that marvelous teacher who managed to make an entire school trip really be quiet during the second act. And it, it helped. It was it was kind of nice. But, you know, uh, I, we'll get to the Seagull next week because it's already 12.05 here on uh, WGBB Freeport. But in Seagull... If I tell you, oh, trying to watch that show, while behind me, two old women, I'm talking old, had sucking candies. They
2: knew, they knew Chekhov. <laughs>
0: That's right. No, not, they not only knew, him, they babysat him.
1: <laughs>
0: but, so these old women had these sucking candies. No, no, they, they went like that. They were like, every other line, you hear... Oh, my God. In, in the, like, the most important, intense scenes of the show, you'd be trying to concentrate on Trigoran and Nina, or Nina and Traplaf, or, and, and they'd be saying something, and then behind me, if I tell you. And what do you say to them? You can't say, don't rustle your paper, because they're not rustling paper. They're not talking. They're not doing... They're, Stop, they're sucking. Stop sucking. Stop Stop sucking. So, That's it's just the luck of the draw. When I went to see A Man for All Seasons, I, there had to be ten cell phones ringing during the second act. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, people... Of uh, course, were
2: all people could see the show previously going, get out now while you can.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about those two shows next week, The Seagull and also A Man for All Seasons. But I'll, I'll give a, a moderate thumbs up for First Breeze of Summer and a pretty good thumbs up, too, for 13 as we move inside Broadway. Yes, it is Broadway, The Best Way of Performing Arts Insider I totally forgot, we, we didn't get a chance to do the Broadway News yet The Broadway News Yes, indeed So, as you mentioned before, title of show closed today I didn't mention that October 12th, somebody, yeah, that, that was, oh, the, um, Joel did, Joel Markowitz After 102 I performances, I, I just, as much as I like the show off-Broadway And it has a lot of lovely stuff in it I don't know how they thought it could run It's just so small and so insular. What's
2: what's nice? I saw it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Again. Uh huh. And it's just. First of all, it's just a wonderful show. But what's great is now that the show. Once the show knew it was doomed, I think they just were papering with people who were seeing it over and over again. All right. Because they have this fan club up in the balcony, right. which is hilarious to see
0: the show with, because they they're so into it. Well, or they were. So I mean, they got them. I feel. Better about this show. It had a hundred performances. It's not like Glory Days. It wasn't this disaster. Everybody knew it was a good, very clever piece of work that was just in the wrong place.
2: You know? But they did get to Broadway, and they did have the chairs with
0: diamonds. And it will now be done in every community theater and every college theater. That's why why I think they brought it to Broadway. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to say it had a Broadway run. Now, talk about publicity and, and having a Broadway run and bringing things around. You're familiar with Pressing... Agent Judy Jacksinger, right? Love her. She'll do anything to get a show out there. She's Judy, why the Judy
2: Kilfoe?
0: Because <laughs> that's right. Even now, when everybody does everything by the internet, she sends out like twelve-page press releases with thirty-eight-point type, the, in color. Didn't yeah.
2: you? Didn't you get offered when you went to see Taylor of Two City? Would you like the script?
0: Oh, nice. I, I didn't even know. I don't remember getting the sure, script. I oh, good for you! Look what happened. This she she didn't even make this happen. But sometimes if you shake the tree enough, you get lucky, like Judy Jackson. Taylor Two made the news. Do you know why? Why? During President Bush's speech, trying to bail out the economy, the mo, like one of the more recent speeches this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, in New York, WNBC had a glitch, and while Bush was speaking, suddenly it cut to someone in Tale of Two Cities going, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and the rabble getting rebellious against the government. And it lasted for about five seconds or something, and then went back.
1: <laughs>
0: so if there was ever a marvelously editorial context for... I wonder if uh, that was
2: a true glitch.
0: Oh, I... yeah. A, you don't call the pressing.
2: I think heads are rolling. <laughs> even in
0: this, Yeah, that that's very possible. Hey, here, speaking of something happy, something good, let's talk about a hit also, off-Broadway, called What's That Smell? Oh, I love that title. What's That Smell? The Music of Jacob Sterling, which is the story of a very fictitious and very bad musical theater composer who's still trying to, to... Write his great opus, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be very, very funny. I did not see it, very, but very good. That's right. It closed, um, I think, last week. It's going to be moving to New World stages in early November. So I'm, i really, really want to see it. And so congratulations to David Pichu, who wrote the show and stars in What's That Smell? Definitely look for it because it's one of the sleeper hits already.
1: And he stars
2: with one of my favorite people, but I can't remember his name now. Oh. He- He was the guy. He was in. um, I don't know. Oh, by my goodness, he just he just closed in uh, in Lincoln Center with the the new. uh, Not South Pacific. No, no, no. The new. um, Oh well. Who wrote Jeffrey? Paul Rudnick. Is oh,
0: it? Peter Bartlett. Yeah. Oh, I bet you're talking about oh, Peter Bartlett was in the, Well, he's still going to be in yeah. it in the world stages, I'm sure. I love Peter Bartlett. I think Peter Bartlett is hilarious. Okay, um, now...
2: Big fan of Peter. Going to... S- you
0: may want to rephrase that line.
2: Big fan yeah. of Peter Bartlett. No.
0: Better. Much better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, okay.
2: And it looks like Bartlett Paris, which is kind of...
0: Yeah. Okay. To be... Speaking of shows that may quite not be a hit, it's not fair to predict failure. <laughs> but if there's a show that people are kind of predicting not such good things for, it's the, it's not a revival, it's, it's actually the production, no. the new production of To Be or Not To Be, based on that old Jack Benny movie from the 1940s. Manhattan oh. Theater Club is bringing it to Broadway, their Samuel J. Friedman Theater, and it opens on Tuesday, October
2: 14th. You know, it was the Samuel J. Th- Th- uh, Friedman Theater used to be.
0: Well, it's named after a press agent now. It was the Biltmore. Right. Right. So they've changed the Biltmore to the Freedmen. Right. It's over on 47th, right? Uh, right by right. 8th Avenue? It's Manhattan Theater Club. Well, they own it now, but they own it always, obviously. Uh, right. That's their first Broadway theater. So you don't think it
2: started uh, at the Biltmore? What? There.
0: Oh, that started the Biltmore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know it ran there forever, after that Cheetah Club or something like that. And First it was at the Public, then it went to the Cheetah Club, yeah. and then to uh, to the Biltmore. But... Coming to the bill, more opening on Tuesdays to be or no, not it's to be. No, coming to Friedman. Coming uh, to Friedman. Excuse me. With Craig Bierko and Brian Murray are not in the cast. <laughs> they were t- the two actors who walked away from it in rehearsals. <laughs> but still, it has Jan Maxwell. So. <laughs> eh. And who
2: else? Who took over the the roles?
0: Uh David Rashi, who's not oh, a, a an actor that I've seen to good effect recently. So maybe. This will be a change for him. David
2: Rota or something, right?
0: No, no, no that's, that's that's David Groh. Oh, David Rash. You'll you'll recognize him. Oh, I know. Shooting. He
2: did a couple of sitcoms.
0: So. Yeah. So anyway, the buzz the buzz was so negative during the rehearsal process that at least now some of the buzz coming back is oh, it's not so bad. But we will see. Not not fair to pre review things, but you may want to check out To Be or Not to Be at the Friedman Theater opening on Tuesday. Also opening this week, a little bit more of an anticipated show even though God knows why Broadway needs to see another revival of All My Sons, but there it is, Arthur Miller's All My Sons, directed by Simon McBurney. It's not because they need a revival
2: of All My Sons. They're trying to see Mrs. Tom Cruise.
0: Actually, this was in the hopper before she signed on. It was going to be a John Lithgow vehicle, which Mm -hmm. it is. John Lithgow is starring in the main role. It was was off Broadway with John Cullum less than ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe it's really good. And she's apparently very good, so we'll see. It's a small role. If you're going to see uh, Katie Holmes, you'll see her. She'll probably be around for about half an hour out of the two hours, but it's really, you're going to see Lithgow. It's it's a great show. It's It's a very good play. It really is, and it's opening this Thursday, October 16th, at, um, I don't have the theater in front of me. It's also got Diane Wiest and Patrick Wilson in it, and the one thing, at first they were saying, oh, Katie unlike... Tom Cruise's first wife, Nicole Kidman. Well, actually, his second wife. He, right. she Kidman sold all those tickets for the Blue Room because everybody wanted to see her. Butt, right. And and Katie Holmes wasn't selling anything. All My Sons is now selling very very well. Yeah. So maybe maybe uh, that that was a little premature. And finally, in Broadway news, Happy birthday, Mamma Mia! Happy birthday, Mamma Mia! Turning seven. Well, seventh birthday, I guess that means it's starting its 8th year. For Mia. It um, opened in October of 2001, which I think really helped it because people were so. I mean, if you think we're going through bad times now, try and picture back what life was like in, in New York. In October, I remember two. I was there. Yeah, exactly. So I think that helped Mamma Mia build a fan base it's and get a the musical. And people but there's, so there's the good, more yeah. news, too. About what, what, what? So they they have gotten a,
2: a tenant to the Niederlander Theater. Hmm. What? Oh, that's where Rent
0: was. Yeah. What's going into the Niederlander? A, rev- a revival of Guys and Dolls. I didn't hear this. When did you hear? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Okay. Is that the English production or a brand-new American
1: thing? Brand-new American
2: production. It's going to be directed by... Um, who, oh. direct, who just directed Gypsy? Wait. Well,
1: Ar-
0: no. Arthur Lorenz? Wait. Who wrote the book Uh Arthur Lawrence? Yeah, no, well, no, the book, not the book for Guys and Dolls. I no, mean, the, the book, book for Gypsy. For Guys and Dolls. Frank Lester and um, oh no, the, no, the, all those people are dead, man.
2: Maybe Arthur Lawrence is directing it. I forget, but someone well, no, Lawrence is busy story. directing
0: West Side Story. Unless he's going to do Guys and Dolls after uh-huh. that. Well, we'll look it up and we'll get it to you next time. Yeah. But, but you're, I, I'm, that's cool to hear that Guys and Dolls is coming back. The last um, revival was with Nathan Lane.
4: With and Prince. With
0: Faith Prince. Faith Prince. Well, it was pretty good. Yeah. So, looking forward to it. There's so much to look forward to inside. Whoops. Let me make sure I have the, um, the right thing queued up for that. Got to do it right. Yeah. We're going... Outside now. Outside Broadway. That's it. We've just been Inside Broadway. Thanks to com and Performing Arts Insider.
1: Dave's gone by. Dave's gone by. Dave's
0: gone by. Yes, there goes the neighborhood indeed. Going to wrap things up quickly here. Oh, we're
2: closing another episode. Oh. Didn't this one
0: go, like, so fast? So I want to thank... Uh, a few people. First of all, thank you so much to my cousin, Stephanie, and her husband. I guess they're both cousins, or does that make him a yes, cousin-in-law? No cousins. And mazel tov to them on Logan Emily Sheflin, six pounds, eight ounces, born on Yom Kippur. Much helping, much success. And her much initials well.
2: are less, which means she's
0: more. Oh, her initials are less. Guess what? Um, Stephanie's father died this year. He died a few months ago. His name was Les. So that works out really, really well. That's there pretty we neat. Go. Um, also, want to thank so much to Joel Markowitz for, for, of DCTheaterScene.com. Oh, Thanks for nice helping for him. Inside Broadway. That's a Check out his column, Theater Schmooze, and, and see what he's writing about, about theater in New York, in Philadelphia, in D.C., cool stuff. Very quickly, let's also thank all our wonderful sponsors, including the Woodrow Delicatessen, Yum, Yum, Delicious, Fresh, Great cold cuts, great entrees, great food. Which shopping center is it in? The Peninsula Shopping Center Kosher, open seven days, go to the Woodrow, tell them, Dave, send And leave off the last W for something. For something. Remember, there's that contest. How about the Hewlett Minuteman Press? Hewlett Minuteman Press. 10% off for Dave's Gone By listeners at Hewlett Minuteman Press. 1315 Broadway in Hewlett. Open six days, whereas the Woodrow's open seven. This is open six days for all your printing and binding needs. And if needs. you don't want to
2: copy, anything, you want something original, call Fancy Schmancy Balloons at 516-797-3229 for all your party decorating needs. That's Fancy Schmancy Balloons. Five one six seven nine seven three two two nine.
0: And this program is also brought to you by you... Oh, by... wow! Well, I'm, I'm getting them confused today by Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, the Bible of Broadway, for 65 years. Go to davesgoneby.org to find out how you can get a great discount on subscriptions to Performing Arts Insider Theater That's Magazine. That's org. Yeah, davesgoneby.org dot org. That's also the place to find out all about this program. To hear older episodes of the show for free anytime, davesgoneby.org cool. dot org. It's Dave, all there.
2: What are we going to listen to now? Well,
0: just just oh, a second. I'm I going to do a couple of other quick things. Reminding you also that Shalom Dammit You can still watch all the episodes on YouTube anytime at all. You can watch episodes of Shalom Dammit with Rabbi Saul Solomon. Thanks also to him for taking part in the Stephanie interview. It's on Long Island Cablevision Wednesdays at 8 on Channel 115, 8 in the morning, that is, and Fridays at 4.30 a.m. on Channel 20. Also, for our New York listeners, it's on Manhattan Neighborhood Network, Channel 67 at one thirty in the afternoon, or you can go to mnn.org and watch it on the Internet. And a reminder also to check out totaltheater.com where there are 1,800 theater reviews waiting to be read by... You well, Look out for Filler Up, the music show I do on this station Go to WGBB's website to find out when that is on And I want to thank my good co-host Jeff Goodman thank for, you. for being with me Love to my mom and dad And of course, my beautiful and wonderful and overworked But still cheerful and lovable wife Yay Joyce. Yay, Joyce Well, it is time to leave the neighborhood But I will be back next Sunday, October 19th And if you hang on, we'll be back in about an hour, right? Oh, yeah, we're still awake and alive. Maybe a half hour, actually. we J- JR
2: through the night. JR through the night. I mean,
0: night. DJ through the
2: night. Through the night. That's well, really be through the,
0: through the night. night. Be a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But for, for Dave's Gone By purposes, we'll be back next Sunday, October nineteenth, two 2008, with a 295th episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz. Jeff Goodman. Wishing you a good night. Hello,
1: Columbus,
2: and gone by.